Welcome to Bible class on this evening. Um, I, I have the pleasure of leading us once again in Bible class. So I want to say thank you to everyone who is here. And we're going to uh, go right into things and get started. Uh, we'll pick up in Luke chapter 9. That's where we left off. And I'm going to share something with you all before um, before we go into that. But just uh, thoughts for today's Bible class. Our purpose and greatness. Purpose and greatness. All right. Um, uh, one of the saints sent this earlier this week. So I wanted to share it uh, with everyone, especially because of uh, our studies currently uh, in Bible class. Excuse me. We are uh, going through the life of Jesus, uh, looking at all of the Gospels uh, and uh, the Synoptic Gospels, which are Matthew, Mark and Luke, the ones that are uh, somewhat similar. Uh, I, I thought this <laughs> this was uh, very apropos. So, yeah, um, uh, they're, they're very, very similar. So uh, if they were turning in turn papers, they they get called down. Now, John would be OK because his, his dynamic kind of goes all over the place. It uh, tells the story of the Lord, but uh, he does it uh, not in the same kind of lineal fashion that the others do. All right. Just to recap where we left off last time, Jesus and his inner circle, uh, which is Peter, James and John. They just came off the Mount of Transfiguration. When they got there, it was a multitude there um, waiting for them. <laughs> yeah, it was a multitude there waiting for uh, them because a father brought his son who was demon possessed to Jesus to have the demon cast out. The disciples could not do it because of a lack of faith as well as a lack of prayer. Uh, so that's just setting the scene regarding um, where we were going into what we're going to cover today. So Luke chapter nine. Oh, before that, though, let me um, let me say this. As I was preparing for this, I got really, really tired uh, due to my asthma and my allergies. Uh, I took a nap yesterday and uh, so I could wake up about midnight and start studying again. Uh, and when I got up to study, I was reminded of a principle that I learned uh, at the Bethesda Bible Institute when it comes to Bible study. We were taught to pray before we began studying. And, you know, ask him, Lord, make the word living unto me. Look, uh, give me fresh revelation as I go through and I read because God's word is living. It's it's fresh. It's new. And this is the reason why, even though it was given to us, you know, well over fifteen hundred years ago, why you get preachers bringing new stuff to you all the time it's because it, it his word is is him and it is living and then he's continuing to show us different things we can never ever ever know god in his entirety so um 
it is important that we ask him, Lord, continue to reveal yourself to me. So um, I, as I started praying, I don't know if it was the enemy or my flesh. Either way it goes, there was a thought that came to my mind and said, you don't have time for this. Like I said, it was midnight and I gave myself until about two o'clock ish because that's the time I normally go to bed anyway um, to study. So that two hour time frame to really put uh, a bow on my studies. And the Lord brought to my mind, it was like, no, you don't have time not to pray. He reminded me of some of the principles that I've learned uh, going through the life of David uh, with the boys and how David prayed about everything prayed hey should we go to Keilah and and help them okay now we did and it seems like Saul's on the way should we stay here or are they gonna give us up okay uh these raiders came in and stole everything burned the city down got all of our wives and children and possessions should we go after them I mean just me like there's no question let's let's get the stuff let's go we you know we just got done in war we already are strapped up let's just keep on going that's just me but david stopped and said lord should we go and if we go will we capture them because they could have went not knowing where they were going where the people were not caught them at all and everyone died out there trying to capture or get back something that they couldn't get back but david prayed about it and that's what came to my mind we, we need to be prayerful about everything we cannot forsake time in prayer. We need him guiding us. And I just want to encourage you uh, with this as a reminder uh, as we go farther in our studies. Um, what led me to prayer was that as I was studying, there was something that I didn't quite understand. And I really needed some, some enlightenment about it. I was getting ready to go and search some commentaries for it. Not that searching commentaries is a bad thing. It's something that I will do from time to time. But the Lord just really kind of put it on my heart. It's like, uh, you know, you you can just keep looking. Keep looking. You you know, you'll find it. And he showed me that I did not have I didn't need the commentaries. Everything that I needed was in him. He helped to enlighten me, show me where uh where things were going off as far as my studies were concerned and it really brought things together so I'm, I'm grateful i'm grateful it's so important that we study to show ourselves approved because the word is um it, it's a subject just like any other subject to study and because you are studying it and because it is so very important the enemy will do everything that he can to keep us confused about it so uh study and pray and pray and study all right let's go on luke chapter 9 verses uh 43 through 45 that's where we're starting off and I, I was nice i put the scriptures up uh you can read along in uh your own textbooks or you can read along on the screen uh it is uh, your choice i put it on the screen so i can kind of keep my head up so anyway and they were all amazed at the majesty of god but while everyone marveled at the things which jesus did he said to his disciples let these words sink down into your ears for the son of man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men 
but they didn't understand this saying and it was hidden from them so that they did not perceive it and they were afraid to ask him about this saying all right i want to ask some questions so uh, uh get ready get your chat fingers uh together because we're gonna uh gonna i'm gonna ask some questions and we're gonna go through some uh, different things so first question why do you think that he would say this to them you know jesus took a moment to say look i'm gonna be betrayed into the hands of the same folks that you're marveling at now why do you think he would say this got done doing this wonderful marvelous uh thing that had everybody like whoa i I cannot believe this especially you think about the people that were there at that time um they just saw um okay if you can chat in your answer excuse me i would appreciate it uh greatly Uh, i see your hand elder neil if you can chat that in i would appreciate it i'm sorry cleric e-e-n senior (laughs) chat that in i would appreciate it all right uh ryan said so when the prophecy was fulfilled they would understand and know that he really was the messiah absolutely great so they could believe yes yes indeed so that they could believe um and waiting on elder Neal to come through as his comes through i believe part of the reason that he did this right then at that specific time was to keep them focused on his reason for being there. The uh, deliverance was was great. And like I said, they should be marveled. The other nine disciples were there before Jesus and the three came down. They couldn't uh, cast the, boy, the uh, demon out the boy. Not only was the demon cast out the boy, it looked like he was dead and he wasn't dead. He, uh, he'd been delivered. And the Lord said, and those demons can't come back into them. So they, they should be marveled. And again, I, I believe part of that reason was to keep them focused on the reason that he was there. All the stuff he did was great, but it's like a cherry on top of a milkshake from Steak and Shake. It's good. I, I like the cherry, but that's not why I buy the milkshake. I buy it for the peanut butter and banana side by side. That's why I get it, because that's some good stuff. That, that, that cherry is wonderful. But I get it for, for the, the peanut butter and banana and chocolate and whatever other uh, items are in that milkshake. So he wanted them to know, hey, look, yep, you're marveling. Great. But I'm here to die. Don't forget my reason for being here is to die. Now, the scripture says that it was concealed from them at that time, said that they did not perceive it. Um, and they were afraid to ask him about it. Why do you think that it was not clear why do you think it, it was it was hidden from them at that time there are many different reasons that it could be hidden but why do you think that he didn't want it to be crystal clear then that hey look and, and even as he says like look let these words sink down in your ears the son of man is about to be betrayed to the hands of men why do you think it is that they couldn't quite catch hold to that <laughs> that's a good, that's a really good point that they wouldn't think uh that they were on a sinking ship that it wasn't time absolutely he um 
he often as he spoke in parables things were concealed so that people would know without knowing and um, that's really what happened in this case although it wasn't a parable this was indeed um, this was indeed prophecy that he was given to them if we were to go back and if you got your Bibles open you go back to verse uh, correct that's your answer some things they couldn't handle absolutely Elder Neal absolutely my my thoughts exactly uh, regarding this when you go back to verse 22 and he first tells them about this after you know he says uh, who do men say that I am and then okay who do you say that I am you know you are uh, the Christ yes flesh and blood is not uh, has not uncovered this to you Peter and, and on this rock I'll build my church yes all this wonderfulness and then what happens Peter pulls him off to the side and, you know, hey, you know, I, I know what you said, but we're, we're not trying to, 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 you know, to let you die. You know, you're our leader. We're, we're, we're here with you. You're going to carry this thing out to the end. And Satan, or I should say Simon, allows Satan uh, to get him smooth gone off on because he was thinking, you know, with his flesh and, and things of that nature and, and thinking uh, with corrupted and sinful thinking versus paying attention to the fact that he came to die so that we could be saved from our sins and there was no way that we could be saved from our sins unless his blood was shed for them they did not ask for clarity and that could be for a number of reasons i think what happened with peter a couple verses back has a lot to do why they were afraid or had to a lot to do with why they were afraid to ask him things like uh peter pulled him off to the side but you know all we know is we look up and he's yelling at him get behind me satan and all this stuff's like whoa you satan and the the church is gonna be built on satan what's what's going on there uh yeah i don't think i want that kind of smoke so uh i don't understand and i'm just gonna be in uh in a, a blissful land of ignorance right now versus uh, dealing with the wrath of asking a question outside of um, outside of what God's will is. All right, let's go on first, or I should say, let's read this account in Matthew, Matthew 17, verses 22 and 23. Matthew 17, 22 and 23 for those who are turning in their Bibles. States. And I forgot to say, all of these are in the new King James Version that we're reading out of. We're treating it just like we were at the center, y'all. So uh, using the, the same version of the Bible that's in our system. All right. Now, while they were staying in Galilee, Jesus said to them, Son of Man, or I should say, the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And the third day he will be raised up and they were exceedingly sorrowful, exceedingly sorrowful, which goes back to uh, what Elder Neal said. They were really, really sad about this thing. You know, it, it messed them up. If any of you all have lost a loved one and they went into a hospice state before it happened, you were aware of the fact that, okay, my loved one is getting ready to go. It makes the time that you spend with them that much more precious, uh, you know, but it's it's troubling. It's troubling. Um, 
for in some senses it can be a little bit easier because you can kind of prepare yourself for it um you know but you, you you're faced with the fact that the person that you're looking at the one that you love is not going to be with you that much longer you know and and you know what things do i need to say how, how do i need to to conduct myself and on top of all this sorrow i gotta get things in order as well so um you know again back to what elder neil said uh yeah he may have concealed it from them just because they could not deal with it at that time um matthew as we see goes on to talk about things a little bit deeper than luke did and shares about the uh their sorrow at the news um sorrow clouds your thoughts it makes it kind of hard to think when uh you are sad you you really cannot and generally do not make the best decisions when you are emotional uh salespeople are the masters of whipping your emotions into a frenzy and using that to steer you in the direction that they want you to go in that's what the term buyer's remorse comes from you know you you got something you're like you have about like woo, i got this thing and then you go look at your statement at the end of the month and it's like whoa i spent how much for what did i really need that one with those bells and whistles i probably could have gotten away with this one it cannot take you back you know will they will they take you back you know that that's where buyer's remorse comes from it comes from making a decision in an emotional state uh and them being that emotional if they had full knowledge of things god only knows what they may have done that of that sorrow as well may have been so overwhelming that they really couldn't they, they didn't ask questions because they really couldn't come up with the questions they couldn't think straight you know we don't know uh what we do know is that it was concealed and now we can see why and how uh that may have happened all right let's go to mark's account of this interaction and that's in mark chapter 9 verses 30 through 32 mark chapter 9 verses 30 through 32 Uh, and it says then they departed from there and passed through galilee and he did not want anyone to know it for he taught his disciples and said to them the son of man is being betrayed into the hands of men and they will kill him and after he is killed he will rise on the third day but they did not understand this saying and were afraid to ask him all right so this is mark's thing and which just further proves that this was a private conversation uh we know that after um after the demon was cast out of the boy uh at the the um dinner afterward is where they went to him privately and asked why they couldn't do it uh this just kind of reminds us of the fact that this was a private conversation that he didn't want anybody to know about this except for his boys um and it really shines a light on the fact that uh not only was this going on but that uh they had to travel to do it so they left from wherever the uh the boy was excuse me and they were traveling through galilee to uh or i should say traveling yeah through galilee uh to get to we'll find out later they're going to capernaum 
but that they were traveling through Galilee. We know that they were coming down off the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, we're not quite sure uh, which mountain it was. We'll take a look at some things regarding that soon. Uh, however, we know that, again, he wanted some privacy. He wanted to drive home the fact that my purpose for being here is to die so that you can be free of your sins. Uh, one thing that the Lord does to help us often when he gives us his word is that he confirms it. You know, he, he will send other people to say, um, yeah, it, it, it is kind of weird that they were afraid to ask. Again, it, it may be because they were so sorrowful, they just couldn't pull things together. And then again, when uh, when Peter tried to correct him, it didn't go well either. But yeah, um, that may also have a lot to do with why it was concealed was because of their fear. Um, again, one, one thing that the Lord does do is he confirms his word to us. Uh, and this was a way that he was reminding them not to get caught up in the wonders of my actions. And don't forget what I told you. Uh, but not only was he going to be killed, Mark tells us here, it's like, look, I'm going to be betrayed into the hands of men. I'm just not only going to be killed. I'm going to be betrayed. You know, don't worry. I'm going to get up on the third day. Uh, all is well, but this is why I'm here. And this is what is getting ready to happen. I wonder if this played back in their minds at the Last Supper when he said to them again, he was like, look, I'm going to be betrayed. And it's going to be by one of y'all here. And they start asking, you know, Lord, is it me? Lord, is it me? Lord, is it me? I wonder if uh, if this came back in, he said, let this sink in. And sometimes those things that are deep when they sink in, it's, it's kind of there. Even though we don't get it all, you kind of hold on to it. And then as time goes on, things get a little clearer. I just wonder. We don't know, but but I wonder. Um, yeah, I, I just wonder. And that may be why they were a bit confused and scared as well because of uh, the betrayal as well um, yes hold on just a moment okay alright we're gonna come back to that um, again he, he talked about the fact that he was going to be uh, not only killed but betrayed um, he's driving home again the, his main reason for saying these things in each of these passages is to keep them focused on the fact that his purpose was to live and die for us All right, just to kind of help with giving some background uh, here uh, this is a map of the, uh, the proposed Mount of Transfiguration history says that it was Mount Tabor which is here um, some people believe some of the scholars believe that it was Mount Hermon um, but remember as we read it said they were traveling through Galilee so if it was from Tabor to Capernaum which I've got highlighted here in yellow uh, that's about 48 kilometers which equals out to be about 30 um, about 30 just a moment about 30 miles for everyone um, whereas if it was Mount Hermon that was the Mount of Transfiguration that's about 277 kilometers or a little under 173 miles that they traveled 
to get to Capernaum. Uh, so just kind of laying some some groundwork and, and showing uh, where they were and what was going on as they began to uh, discuss things. And it, it really sets up the uh, sets us up for the next portion. So let us go now to back to Luke. Luke chapter nine, verses 46 and 48 is what we're going to be reading. So Luke chapter nine, verses 46 through 48. All right. Jesus, perceiving the thought of their heart, took a little child and set him by him. Then a dispute arose among them as to which of them would be the greatest. And he said to them, Whoever receives this little child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you will be great. He knew their hearts. He knew the thoughts of their hearts, as uh, the beginning of this passage says. And that's a very, very... Uh, um, uh, loaded statement that we often misuse uh, today. You know, oh, the, the Lord knows my heart. He knows my heart. We normally say that, or we normally hear people say that who um, know that they're not doing everything that they should be doing, uh, but believe because God knows their heart that they'll uh, be forgiven and everything will be fine. And Lord's will uh, that they repent uh, so that that happens, but there has to be some repentance that does take place um yes god does know our heart he definitely does we don't know our heart we can't know our heart on top of that the out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks so the things that we're doing really shows our heart so us saying god knows my heart yeah he does and you're showing your heart oftentimes by the things that you do have you ever done something and been so surprised that you did you know you do something say, oh ooh, my goodness what where did that come from how did i do that that's because we don't know our hearts we we can't know our hearts it's uh exceedingly wicked and and deceptive we can't know it we cannot know it uh but god knowing the hearts of his people i start talking to them it's like what what is that, that you're all arguing about what was all that that was going on? Because we cannot know our hearts, though, we really need to be like David and ask the Lord to help us as, as far as our heart is concerned and to search our heart. As Psalms 139 says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting so if for some reason the thought god knows my heart comes up to your mind let this come right behind and say all right lord you know my heart so search it and fix the things in me that need to be fixed lead me in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake because you know my heart i can't know my heart all right uh let's go to mark Mark chapter 9, verses 33 and 34. And we're quickly coming to uh, an end. We're, we're going to end up, we're going to end off in Mark. 
I'm starting with verses 33 and 34. So Mark 9, 33 and 34. Then he came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he asked them, what was it you disputed among yourselves on the road? But they kept silent. For on the road, they had disputed among themselves as to who would be the greatest. Now remember, whether they came from Mount Tabor or Mount Hermon, they had a nice little way to go to get to Capernaum, either walking 30 miles or walking over 170 miles. Either way it goes, they had a nice little journey to get to Capernaum. And all the while they were walking, and, and not all the while, but definitely enough time that was spent of them walking they're talking about which one of them will be the greatest. I'm going to be the greatest because uh, I'm the one that that uh, that Jesus loves. I can hear <laughs> we can hear John saying because he had a good uh, a good or bad habit of making sure to mention that in his writing. I am the one that he loved. I am the one that laid upon his chest. I am the, the one who uh, didn't have to go through all of the um, the martyrdom that my brothers uh, had to go through you know so uh, that could have been you know happening or Peter well no the, the, uh, the church is going to be built on me so obviously I'm the greatest like a good parent Jesus knew what was in their heart and oftentimes as parents yes uh, yeah trouble with them yeah they had trouble with unbelief but they didn't have any trouble thinking about who, who was going to be the leader my thoughts exactly uh, Elder Neal uh, when as I was going through and studying this, like, boy, yeah, um, yeah, y'all, y'all are, are an interesting bunch, and it's good for us to see that that the ones that were closest to Jesus were so fickle and so dysfunctional. You know that that should really be um, comforting to us, knowing that regardless of how crazy we are, uh, you know what things we do and how far off we get sometimes. That if the disciples had the issues that they had surely you know he'll be he'll be kind and, and gracious to us seeing the things that uh they did i mean just look at what peter did and still this is this is on who i'm gonna build my church but i, I digress um like a good parent he knew what was going on and as good parents we often will ask questions of our children knowing what the deal is like okay yeah and, uh, why did you do that you know, a lot of times we, we just want to hear what they have to say regarding. I know for me, it's a good question to ask to verify whether or not what I believe is the case is indeed the case. Nine times out of ten, it is. But um, sometimes it's not right. Right. They did not have the, uh, the Holy Ghost yet. Absolutely correct. Uh, evangelist. I like saying it to mess with an evangelist. I'm sorry, I didn't say it right. Evangelist, Neil. Anyway, um, but yeah, so he he knows what's going on, and he was asking them, but they didn't say anything because they knew it was like, oh, we were talking some crazy stuff, and we don't want to get gone off on, so we're just gonna be quiet and act like you didn't say it, or, or hope that you say something <laughs> so that we don't have to out ourselves. All right, verse thirty-five. And he sat down, called the twelve and said to them, if anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all 
and servant of all. So the first and the greatest must be the last and the servant. The Lord is just awesome in how he does things and, and just flips our mindset regarding how things should be on its head. Whatever we think it's supposed to be, it's the opposite. You know, the, the generally the greatest, they're the ones with all the service and everything. No, if you want to be the greatest, you need to serve. You know, the greatest are the ones who, who are first in line and, and, you know, get all the honor. No, uh-uh. I want you to be the last. I want you to be the lowliest. I want you to be the most humble. Uh, Ron Stevens, which uh, our pastor said is, is his pastor, so uh, our, our pastor, our overseer, our bishop, he would often say as um, as he was teaching us, uh, the, the different men who uh, helped with leading men's ministry at the church that you know really based on this scripture if you want to be first if you want to minister you have to look to serve and he would say you know you need to be like a mater d so, you know the mater d comes in with with his towel over uh his his arm and you know he talks with you and finds out what you need and makes suggestions and things of that nature this, this is the posture of the greatest if you want to be the greatest you need to look to be serving giving doing for others not looking to be served which unfortunately in christendom now many leaders are looking to build their own kingdoms and not build the kingdom of god but the lord is telling those founders those pillars of the the kingdom that if you want to be first you want to be great serve and he was a perfect example of that here here it is i'm the leader of all of this but all you see me doing throughout my life is giving 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 serving helping making things better for others when do you see really jesus kind of getting stuff from others you you really don't see that you see that they gave him the room uh the upper room for the uh, Passover. Uh, they gave him a donkey to ride into Jerusalem on. Now they had the parade screaming Hosanna with the palm trees the week before. But those are the only times you really see people giving stuff unto Jesus outside of uh, also the uh, people that anointed him with uh, with oil and that uh, would provide for him. We know the ladies that were providing for him. But for the most part, when you see things about Jesus, he was serving. He was serving. And that's the mindset that we have to have if we're looking to be great. We must be servants. Um, we've got to be willing to do the menial work. Nothing was beneath the Lord and nothing can be beneath us. Uh, that may not be how the kingdom works, but that's how the kingdom of God works. And again, it's proven by the sacrifice that he made for us through Jesus. Let's take things a little further. Um, it's not just serving, but serving the segment that he said to serve. He, he put a little child there and said, you know, you 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 need to, um, if you take one a child in, that you are receiving me in. 
Okay, yeah, I'm serving, but I'm serving someone who really can't do too much for me. Um, you know, it's not like, hey, I'm serving, uh, I, I cater, I, you know, I cook and I, I cater uh, parties for executives. And, you know, I, I maintain the fleet for the, of the governor's vehicles. I, I have a maintenance contract for medical spas and, you know, the, the people who do all the plastic surgery and stuff, you know, so I'm doing big time stuff. No, no, uh-uh. He said to serve everyone must be the last of all and serve everyone, regardless of their perceived status. Serve. All right. Um, Verses 36 and 37. He took a little child and set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said to them, whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but he who sent me. This is why we serve all. He wants us to see him in everyone. He wants us to see himself in humanity. He could have wiped out humanity from the beginning. When Adam and Eve fell, he could have said, y'all messed it up. You're going to mess it up for everybody. So I'm done with you. I'm going to get some people in here who uh, know what's going on. As a matter of fact, I'm going to bring them in before I take you all out so that they know exactly what's going to happen if they do the same things that you did. But he didn't do that. He had a really good reason for doing that. We are wrapped up in the DNA of Adam and Eve. Had he wiped out Adam and Eve, we wouldn't be here. Had he wiped the slate clean and and done away with them then all of the things that he wanted to do in and through us could not be done because all of humanity that we know of to this day would have been wiped out he instead of taking away the mess uh from the start made a way for us out of the mess before he even made us that's show, that's love. That's how much he loves us. He loved us enough to live and to come through those things so that we could be with him. He redeemed us because of his love and his desire to spend time with us. I love spending time with my boys. I hate right that I can't spend time with uh, the fruit of my love that don't live here. Uh, salute to my son Ethan who has joined us again uh, this evening. You know, I, I hate that. I haven't been able to get him over here and, and wrestle with him and hear him say snide remarks uh, to me and, and kind of make me smile and then punch him. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I miss that. I miss uh, being able to spend that time with him and with Aiden uh, and, and, and doing those things. I love being with my boys. I love seeing them mature. I love giving them wisdom and instruction uh, so that they can be exemplary men. And he wants to do the same thing with us. He wants to laugh at our jokes. He wants to smile as we're astonished by his goodness. He wants to be proud of our growth and pleased with our worship. You know, again, Jesus took a little child. And what can a little child do for you? What what can Logan and Dakota, Naomi and and Carter do for, for you right now? Not much of anything. Even if you say, hey, baby, go get that remote for me. They may or may not get the remote. And if you say, bring it to me, they may decide, hey, 
it's time to play and, and run away. You you just don't know. Uh, you know, even uh, someone like Dylan or Natalie, because it says that, or I should say as I was studying and looking at the word little child here, um, it was speaking about a child who was probably about seven years of age uh, or under and had to be little if Jesus took him up in, uh, in his arms and was like, hey, you know, it, it couldn't be a, a, a big child. Couldn't be Nathan. You're not picking up Nathan. Nathan, feet as big as mine and will be tall, as tall as me probably 40 years old. Uh, but anyway, um, he, he wants to spend that time with us. Again, little children can't do much for you. They can't pay you. Uh, and they may not be able to carry out the instructions that you give to them. Now, we have to remember that children at this time were not looked on very favorably. Think about when the little children were trying to come to him and they were like, no, uh-uh, stay away. You, you know, the, the disciples were keeping them away. So, no, no, no. Let the little children, you know, come to me. Children were just a hair above women in biblical times as far as their value was concerned. Uh, you think about how the, again, like I said, the disciples treated them. Um, however, the Lord wants them to know Look, I'm saying serve all. Look at this child. Serve this child. Do what you can for this child because as doing so, you're doing for me. And as doing for me, you're doing for the father. Um, and you just don't know what a child is getting when you are ministering uh, to them. I want to take this time to uh, say thank you to Jessica for pouring into uh, the children that we have and if you have children uh, and or know of some children um, that can come to relationship kids and is available uh, from 11 30 to 12 30 on sunday mornings please have them log in because it, you, you just don't know i remember my first birthday party i was sharing this with nicholas not too long ago i remember my first my third my fourth and my fifth i don't remember my second birthday and part of the reason that I think I don't remember it is because I didn't have a birthday party. I remember looking through the pictures. It was just a little something at home. But I remember being at my first birthday party, being one years old and talking in whatever language I could talk in to my friend Jeremy and showing him my jack-o'-lantern. You know, I was like, hey, look, look, this is my jack-o'-lantern, uh, you know, that I have. Who would think that a, a child who can barely talk would have these kind of thoughts but i vividly remember uh having this conversation with jeremy again i don't know what he picked up of it outside of me showing him the thing but this is how my mind was working so you don't know what kind of seeds are being planted into the lives of your children regardless of the age uh, that they are so again uh, if you can uh, get your kids there and this is again another reason why the Lord is saying serve everyone you don't know what's happening you don't know what kind of seeds are being planted or uh, being fertilized by the things that you're doing when we welcome those especially those that are viewed in the Lord's regard we welcome him and we welcome he who sent uh, he who sent him you know of course uh, being God when he talks about separating the sheep from the goats uh, further on in Matthew chapter 25. The sheep ask the Lord's like, when did we feed you, clothe you 
or visit you. And he says to the sheep in verse 40, truly, I say to you, uh, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it unto me. So, again, this is the reason why we need to look to serve all, because as we serve all, we're serving him. This is how we become the greatest. We see everyone as someone that the Lord loves dearly and died for because he did every single person on this earth. He loves dearly and he died for and he wants to see them in relationship with him he wants to see them redeemed but they can't be redeemed if we don't go out and share with them uh, the love and the things that God has given and done for us and done for them all right so in conclusion just key points and boy this is really small forgive me Uh, I got this powerpoint together at the last minute Uh, I should have made the font on this larger but key points to take away don't forget why jesus came and why he saved us Uh, does he uh, promise to give us good gifts on this earth absolutely his word says that but that's not why he came again that's just a cherry on top of your milkshake the real reason that he came was so that we could be free from the penalty of sin that we would not have to uh, taste the second death and that we could have life and life everlasting he came that we may have life and that more abundantly don't he knows our hearts we don't know it we can't know it but he knows it and since we know that he knows it we need to ask him to search it and continue to mature us and, and prune us and purge us so that we can grow in the faith day by day and become more and more like him. To be great in God's kingdom, you've got to be a servant. We must have a servant's heart and a servant's mentality and mirror what Christ did for us when he was here on earth. He came to to serve and to seek and save that which was lost. He loves us and he loves us. Oh, boy, I got typos and everything. Wow. Like I said, I know this is right before. So, yeah, forgive me. Um, He loves us more than we will ever know. I don't know what this is, but that's what I was trying to say. He loves us more uh, than we will ever know. Um, So let us make sure that as we look at one another, that we look at each other as someone that he loves and that he died for. All right, that concludes the lesson for today.